Welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. Neil and Amy Preston here and our main man, Eric. Nichols. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time. Oh, man. I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> we are on episode six, and this one's called A Line Had to Be Drawn. And before we get started, we're going to talk a little bit about the why we named the season Wayfinder, and that's because we are launching and releasing the book Wayfinder here coming up soon. Eric, do you have the details on that? Yeah, we'll be launching the pre-sale for the Wayfinder book this week. And the book has a tentative release date of November 1st. Now, we don't know exactly how long the printing is going to take. And so that date could get pushed back. But our tentative date at this point is November 1st. And uh, purchase that by going to neilandamy.com. That's mm-hmm. correct. And there's a link there that just says pre-sale Wayfinder. You get a little bit of a discount um, by, by purchasing that ahead of time. You'll also mm-hmm. help us kickstart the project. So mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate that. So what we're doing today is we're taking an excerpt from chapter six of this book. And it's uh, the, the chapter title is A Line Had to Be Drawn. And it's fitting that this is episode number six mm-hmm. of the podcast. And we pulled chapter number six. I didn't even realize that until we just sat down and we're mm-hmm. looking at it. Um, what we want to do is give some backdrop on, um, on some of the context of the book. And there's some themes that appear throughout it. And ultimately, where we arrive in this book is to kind of like what we would say is in some sense, the secret sauce to a life that is inspired uh, to a life that, that you want to be living. And there's always challenges that appear along the way, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what we arrive at in the book. And, uh, and we highlight a character in this book. Um, tell, tell a little bit about this character, Amy. Uh, Donnie is, if you listen to the last episode, we had Kenny Hagler on. We had Connie Hagler. Connie. <laughs> and his older brother, Donnie, there's three brothers, if you, ha- if you don't know. Ronnie, Donnie, and Kenneth. Also known as Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. And in the book, we highlight a little portion of Donnie's life, which was probably his rock bottom portion of his life. And it's awesome that Donnie doesn't care that we actually talk about that because it's really going to help a lot of people to... For sure. Because it's gut-wrenching stuff. Yeah, it's and real. It's, yeah, similar to what you heard from Kenny last week. We got a lot of comments and feedback from people about Kenny's interview last week. Mm-hmm. People saying, wow, like way to be real, you know, mm-hmm. way to get down into the heart level stuff that hurts and to not, you know, be ashamed of that. I think that when we choose to do that as human beings, we, we really can or have the opportunity to help people because then other people who are struggling with similar feelings don't feel absolutely crazy. Yeah. And alone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Donnie is a sweet-hearted fighter. Yeah. I like, like to surround myself with ass, sweetheart the kind fighter. the kind of guys that tell you how it is. And yeah, she does. <laughs> and uh, Eric's a real tell it how it is kind of guy. Yes, yeah. but he uses his words very <laughs> precisely. Yeah, I like that. Anyway. You were going to say something. And you thought, well, it's not that precise, so you didn't say it. Yeah, I, I don't want the audience to suffer any imprecision. <laughs> They're listening to me. <laughs> oh, Donnie is a funny character. Anytime he's around, y- you can't help but laugh. 
because he just says it. He says what you're thinking. Yeah. But out loud and doesn't care who's listening. Right. Yeah. There are some one liners that I don't even think will repeat. Yeah. In this particular podcast, even though we do have a parental advisory on this, <laughs> we won't even repeat them, but they've come to be like some standard household lines that right. we have. And they came from Donnie's like just absolute openness. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> why don't you read a little portion of that chapter? Yes. Okay. So this is straight out of the chapter. We're going to kind of move, uh, move us through throughout this podcast through uh, some sections here. So it starts off by saying this. There are certain times in life when someone says, that's it. That's where I'm drawing the line. I've had enough of this. In other words, like the old cartoon character, Popeye the Sailor Man, he used to say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. When that line is drawn, ultimately that line represents a decision that has to be made. Mm -hmm. Which side of the line am I going to stand? Do I want to live a life like I am and continue to be miserable? Or do I want to end it? Am I going to give up and allow addictions, attitudes, anger, and dysfunction to dominate my life? Or am I going to step across the line and make the decision to put effort into getting better? Will I lay down or will I stand up under the pressure? Mm -hmm. What's that make you think, young lady? Popeye the Sailor Man. Do you remember that? I do. He, so lately I've taken a passion in, in uh, pipe smoking tobacco pipe smoking. Mm -hmm. And um, Amy says it makes me uh, smell kind of like an old man. Yeah. At well, times. the tobacco you have right now, you smell like a cheap old man Ooh. because it does not. I don't particularly like the flavor of this new one that you got. The right. other one actually had like this rich, like grandpa kind of smell. And this one just reminds me of she a cheap old man. <laughs> you were thinking it, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was contemplating the difference between a cheap old man and a normal old man. <laughs> yeah. There are differences. Okay. But Popeye, yeah, there are. I think, did he not have a corncob pipe or some kind of a pipe that yeah, of he course did, he right? Did. Yeah. I can't recall it. Eric, do you yes, remember? Yes, he did. Yeah, Pop I, Popeye? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely had a corncob pipe, I believe. Yeah. And his shirt was rolled up. Maybe we find an image of Popeye and we throw him in here. Yeah. But I also remember he would take a can of spinach, right? And then yeah. this is kind of off track, but he would squeeze it. It would pop up and then would like land in his mouth and then he'd mm -hmm. like muscle up mm -hmm. and he'd say i've had all i can stand i can't stands no more and then he would like go lay the smack down yeah. on like brutus or whoever was coming at him mm -hmm. it was a good cartoon it was a good cartoon and he I was like called olive oil a lot when i was little you did i called you that quite a bit yeah when we were first married and he used to hate it you get mad at me for that i don't you remember. drew the line on that I if i'm not even mad about it but come on really I honestly don't. Like you would be like, oh, I've had all I can stand. I can. And then it would make me go harder. Oh. So. <laughs> but the point was that Popeye would be like, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. Like we're okay. fighting or I'm taking the hill. Mm -hmm. So at this stage in Donnie's life in particular. Right. So we're in our little little tiny house, right? This is the 800 square footer. We've told you that six times in six episodes. Yeah, and you can see that the pile of furniture in the living room has shrunk since last episode last week. Yeah, that's because we just 
little by little. Yep. Make progress. Start small. Start, Start now. now. We're seeking progress, <laughs> not perfection. But at this stage in Donnie's life, he and, had to make, he had to draw a line, but he had to, I don't know how you would say it, but he literally had to put up a fence too. He didn't just draw a line. He had to like say no more of that over there. Yeah. Because, and I, we don't want to give all of the, all of the details of the book away in this. You're going to have to like, you're going to have to pick it up and listen to it. We're also going to record an audio version of it right via these microphones. So mm-hmm. if you'd just rather listen than you could, but um, I'll, just the kind of the glimpse into this guy's world is um, he walked in literally, we were standing right in this zone right here that we're sitting right now, but it was a complete construction zone at the time. And when he walked in, there was like desperation on this guy's face. Like he was, he was seriously a wreck at this moment, but he, but he also like, he kind of carried himself pretty confidently, um, pretty, you know, proudly if mm-hmm. you would. And, uh, we'd been on a journey probably the previous six months. He'd been over here working. We'd kind of been developing some relationship or whatever, but he, but he was kind of just up and down. Um, he was very, very into um, fighting, um, very into not just like drinking, but getting absolutely wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once you get absolutely wasted, then it kind of opens that gamut up for a lot of different issues to come in. And, and right. he was young. He's 22, 23 years old. Um, you know, he, he had a, a, all of this world compounding. He had a, a child at the time, a little guy. You know, there was just a, a lot happening in his life. And then all of a sudden, bam, like this, this, his world kind of came toppling down. And ultimately what he attempted to do earlier that day was take his own life. And, you know, everything that we're talking about last week, Kenny shared something similar. We're not, we're not just trying to like make the, the conversation here about, about uh, suicide or things of that nature. But reality is, is that like desperation or the other word we use a lot is the word despair. Mm-hmm. It means you want to quit. It means you want to give up. And ultimately if somebody's ran like, out of hope, yes, mm-hmm. ran out of hope, hope meaning that you expect good in your future. Right. And when you don't expect good in your future, it's like life is bleak, yep. dark, black. You add on to that relational problems, mm-hmm. drug problems, anger problems, all of those things. And then you end up in this super deep, dark hole. And, and once you're there, anything goes like, yeah, you, you could, we, we call that sometimes the efforts, mm-hmm. right? Like you just get to the point where you're just effort. Actually, even just a few nights back, we get a call to go out and help somebody in the middle of the night, two thirty at night, sit down with this, you know, 60 year old man. And he said that he had a case of the efforts. That's actually what he called it. He got to the point where he's just like, you know what? F this, I'm just going to, he fell off the wagon. I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to party. I'm just going to do whatever I can to numb the pain. But eventually that numbing the pain ends up kind of bringing you to the end of your rope. Right. And that's really where Donnie was in this stage of the game. So um, when he walked in that day and he said that he attempted to, to hurt himself, to kill himself that morning, I honestly was at the point where I'm like, enough of this. Yeah. It's so frustrating to watch somebody that that you see potential in not just, see the potential themselves. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to stay stuck in these really deep, hard things and the desires to try to help them move from that. Right. But sometimes it's like, especially in this instance, it was like tough love, hard love, direct words. Well, and especially in the community that we live, I mean, every community has a little bit of a different culture and, you know, in the cities, everyone can kind of pretend a little bit more because you live in a house that looks pretty much like your neighbor's house and you drive the same, you know, everything's just a little bit more mainstream. And so you can kind of hide that. But when you live in a rural community, you either live in a really nice house or you know, it, it's just a little bit more segregated where you can see like you people can judge people based on where they live, what car they drive, where they work. There's a lot of added pressure that goes into the human right. um, conscience or him. What? How, I'm trying to draw the conclusion of how that connected with Donnie. Because I think that when you live in like more of like a mainstream type city area, you aren't you don't have all this stuff in your face as much because you can hide it really well. You can, um, you can pretend a little bit better in Donnie's case. You know, if him and his fiance are not working out well, he goes back to his dad's house. Now he's faced with a whole bunch of other stuff on his shoulders that he wouldn't be. And I think that the biggest thing is just the hiding of it. And for Donnie, he got to the point where he was like, I'm not hiding it anymore. And I think a lot of people in a lot of cities can just kind of hide it. And then you find out something super tragic and you're like, I didn't even see that coming because you can mask it really, really well. But for whatever reason, I do think that in the rural, in more of a rural community, you can't hide things as much. Yeah, it's not as easy to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we arrive at a place with Donnie um, where it's like, no, it's time for a line to be drawn. It had to be drawn. And, um, and then, you know, the, the context of the book is, is you're kind of discovering how that line was drawn, what that particular day looked like, and then how in implementing some very specific guardrails or some specific boundaries in his life it actually became a game-changing factor to mm-hmm. his life. Um, it, it helped get him back on track. It helped him overcome certain things that it kind of brought him to the place mm-hmm. of despair that mm-hmm. he was in. But it was a journey. It was it was a long journey. Um, <laughs> at the time, there was a movie that had just come out called The Lone Survivor. And I forget, I forget the military context to that story other than there was one man who was like stuck on the opposite side of the line and he had to get himself back to this base and, and he had all the odds like against him and he, he had to like have it so deep down inside of him that he wanted to survive that he just like fought his way tooth and nail, you know, to get, to get, you know, back to safety if you would. So lines, remember that movie beyond enemy lines? Mm Mm-hmm. Like they got stuck on the other side of the line. Their their jet went down on enemy territory. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times in our lives, like we land in enemy territory, like we're stuck in a territory that is, that is not where we need to be. And, and in that sense, like, thank God for lines. Yeah. Because when we, we live a life without lines, 
then it's literally it's hard to it's hard to know like where safety is. Well, just look at kids who parents don't give them lines. Yep. And how detrimental that could be to their safety and their health. I know they don't like the lines a lot of the time no, either. Like kids not oftentimes don't like the lines. Did your mom ever draw lines for you? Uh, at, at points. <laughs> <laughs> We're not trying to throw Miss Nichols under the bus here, but <laughs> she point. was a principal. Not was. Yeah, she was. But she was a teacher when I was in grade school. Yeah. And you trained her to become a principal. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, could you imagine just letting the kids just run free and do whatever they want? Not our kids. Like, well, yeah. Like I had cousins that they ran pretty free mm-hmm. and they did quite whatever. a bit. Yeah. I have an uncle Todd that seemed to have a pretty free childhood. Childhood. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, sometimes the freedom hurts. Sometimes the freedom mm-hmm has a price that you pay. Yeah, there's a consequence that comes with it. So having lines, you know, actually is a real benefit to life, like knowing what your boundaries are. Let's think about the different lines that we have, like on a normal day, the lines that any random person needs in order to stay kind of like on track. Like you have to stay hydrated, you, so your health Yeah. The first line that comes to mind is the one that divides the oncoming traffic. Right. Like that's a critical line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like with, I've been told stories of people who go to like countries like the Philippines and things and the lines aren't in the road. Yeah. And And it's like "Ah," like 27 people on one little buggy passing you and Mm -hmm. a family of seven on a single bicycle, you know, or motorcycle cruising by like there's certain lines or boundaries that are, that are healthy. Yeah. Without them. It'd be crazy. Boom, crash. Um, remember that time you wanted to uh, draw a line and yours was on your health track? You were like, I'm not going to eat any more donuts yeah. for breakfast. Yeah. And at that time we were. Well, backstory. Yeah. I'm a grocery kid. Mm-hmm. Fourth generation. I. Um, actually, so you had great grandpa, no, great, great grandpa, great grandpa, grandpa, dad, Dad, you fifth. Okay. So fifth generation family owned grocery markets. Yep. And my dad, he loves sweets. Yeah. And he was always like opening a new box of donuts in the morning and be like, Hey everyone, you should try these. You should try these. Yeah. And you came home one day and you were like, all right, I'm. I'm drawing a line on my health track. I'm going to cut out the donuts in the morning. And it wasn't because like I was like struggling with weight issues. I could barely keep weight on when I was yeah. younger. I was always trying to bulk up, not like shed weight. Right. But one of the things that that we've created over time, there's systems that we have for helping people stay on track, starting with ourselves. And so there's like these lanes, these tracks, like a spirit track, a God track or health track, money track, people track, mission track. And so I was really focusing on my personal development in the area of the health track. Mm -hmm. And all that was, was sometimes just withholding or restraining is a good thing. Just like you can have something that's not really hurting you physically, right? It doesn't look like it anyway. So like just restraining just a little bit, like that kind of helps you stay more disciplined or more sound. And that was my intention. 
behind that particular one, but good God, I love those white powdered hostess donuts with the raspberry jelly filling. Do you remember them? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love donuts for breakfast, but it's yeah, so unhealthy. Yeah. I like the maple, like the maple bar. Oh yeah. Or like or really any donut with the maple yeah. sugar on top. Are you oh, sure okay. we're not brothers? I'm going to have to talk to our parents. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to get some donuts for breakfast. So <laughs> <laughs> So you said I'm I'm not going to be eating these donuts and Yeah, I, I gave want, myself a time limit. I want you to hold me accountable. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I took the kids to school one morning and like two mornings after my commitment. Yeah. And came in, I was walking past the produce and then, then you go through the double doors and there's like the backstock area. And there you were, I swear, as soon as I opened the doors, here's Neil shoving a jelly filled mm. donut down his throat. Mm. Also looked like he was making love to mm. it. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre i'm like oh what are you doing this is more like what i experienced from my side of that is i was like i was looking at this box and i'm like i cracked it i heard the glue break you know what i'm talking about like when the glue breaks Uh and it's like okay you're almost there you're arriving at your destination right and you flip that box open crease the back just a little bit and then and then you pull out that white donut and i remember looking at it like damn that looks good and then I start to take the bite, and right then, like, right then, Amy walks through the door. And I already knew, like, I was violating the very line that I had drawn. Like, yeah. I already knew it. I think I just walked right past you and got back in the car. No, you did not. You yelled at me. I did? You don't remember what you yelled at me? Nope. I'll never forget it. I don't remember. You yelled out. You walked through the door. You looked at me, and you were still a ways off. I'm talking like 20-something feet. I'm (laughs) caught white-handed. And you yelled out, you donut adulterer. (laughs) You acted like I was cheating on you with this donut hole. <laughs> it was like not cheating on me, cheating on your own line. I yeah, was trying to keep me you an adulterer. I like, know on like, your own line, like straight up. Like yeah. I was like I was caught red-handed, right? and I'm pretty sure I just went. Well, I don't care, and I freaking ate it anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did too. And I think I just got back in the that car was, and I was that like, was your effort moment." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, find a different accountability partner because I'm not gonna I'm put out. up with your BS. <laughs> She's yeah. a super compassionate human being. Honestly, I just blew my guardrails, though. Yeah, you did. And, and that's happened many, many times throughout my journey. Mm-hmm. Like, many. Like, back in the day, and I, this is why I related to Donnie so much. You know, I s- started chewing tobacco, right, when I was, like, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you start off, it's kind of innocent. You're hanging out with your buddies and thinking that you're cool, like the Sandlot boys, mm-hmm. right, in the, in the movie The Big Sandlot. Chief. Yeah, Big Chief was all good like that but then like a year goes by and like every day now you're like chewing tobacco and i remember yeah. thinking okay well i'm not going to do this anymore and so i would like make the commitment i'd make the vow just before me and god right and, and i remember like standing on my front porch at my dad's house and i all i did is i'd take that can and i would just like chuck it out into the field so yes that'd be a thousand dollar fine if the highway patrol saw me landed out in the field and then that's it you know, that was my grand finale. And then like the next day you get up and you're like sitting there and maybe you're like doing something. I'm man, that would sure sounds good. And the next thing you know, you're out in the field out trying in the to find field. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That happened. 
anything like that ever happened to you, Eric? Yes, many times. Many times. <laughs> yeah. I think that that happens to many of us. It's just we don't like to talk about it so much because then right. you come across like a failure. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody wants to look like they're a failure. I'm going to go on a diet. Not. Nah. Yeah. It's like this I'm, is the new cool hip thing to do. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. So then if if you end up skinny because you are on a diet, everyone's going to be like, what did you do? And then at that point, you're dust. like, oh, yeah, I just did this, this, and this. And oh, that's called cocaine. Cocaine? Wait, cocaine <laughs> makes you lose weight? No. Oh. I was like, hmm, never heard of that one before. Yeah. So I, I said it's the magic dust, and then I said oh. that. And yeah, sorry. Getting back on track, Neil. Yeah, geez. Talking about all kinds of stuff. Lines had to be drawn, and we break our own rules right. frequently. But that is also part of the struggle, and it's also part of what this book is about. Willpower doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Willpower doesn't always work. And there are many times where we can will our way into certain circumstances, but there are other times where it's like, no, you, you, yeah, you need to be able to apply your will. I love a passage. I believe it's Philippians 2.13. It says, God, grant me the will to want to change. Mm-hmm. Like, grant me the will to want to change. That's, that's probably like one of the best prayers that we could pray. Right. Is give me the will to want to change to want to be motivated, to want to make a difference, to want to take a new step, because I don't even have the will to want to. Right. But when you actually get the will to want to, it's not ultimately, and this is our discoveries, it's not willpower that actually keeps you on track. You've got to have some, but it isn't that ultimately. And um, otherwise, you just end up, you know, violating the things that you've set up that are there to be beneficial to you, Mm -hmm. that are there to take you to where you want to be. And then you go back Feel around like the mountain. Feel like a loser because yeah. you keep you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, you can't overcome it. And so you feel like you're stuck, and your your hope is ran dry. Like there's no more hope in your yes tank for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that drawing lines too, as much as sometimes it's like cutting out personally. Per, how do I say it? Cutting out personal things. I think a lot of the times we forget what we're putting into ourselves, like the people that we surround ourselves with, the you know talk show that we're listening to on our drive to work that gets us all amped up and negative, you know all that kind of stuff. We don't think about what's filling us up. So then we're we're filled up and maybe angry and frustrated, and then and then you're not even starting at a, a good clear level for yourself. So sometimes it's like drawing the line in the sand of like, what am I going to allow in? Yeah. And really starting to look at all the things that you let in your life. I know that multiple times I've tried to help people and it's actually hurt me because they, the type of personality that they have was bringing more negativity into my life than And they didn't really, here's the fact of the matter, they didn't really want to change because it didn't matter if I answered their calls at two in the morning. It didn't matter if I went to court with them. It didn't matter if I did all of that. At the end of the day, they still wanted to be themselves and they weren't willing to change. But it was draining me and it was depleting um, that hope inside of me. So I think that you really kind of, we have to look at lines all over the place. It can't just be like in our health or in our walk with um, 
the creator. You know, it, c- it can't just be all of that. We have to really take, if we're really going to draw lines, we really have to take like a 50,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is really kind of backing out of yeah. the view yourself and getting a, a more uh, full spectrum of what is actually going on in your life. It's making me think of like cups, right? Like a, a cup is is got an input and mm-hmm. if if the input that's coming into the cup is muddy water right right it's just like nasty dirty water that's being poured into to your cup mm-hmm. then you can't expect it to be clean right. right it's it's dirty water yep that's coming in obviously like you you've got a cup of like nice clear mm-hmm. water that you would want to drink in front of you and and that's the other input that can come in. You can get the freshwater streams. And right. I, I think so often why lines need to be drawn is because there are certain things that we're doing that are hurting our lives. There's people we're listening to, actions that we're doing, lies that we're believing, all these mm-hmm. things. And all that's just muddy water. Yep. You know, it's filling us up with with mud, with, you know, muddy water is, is not easy to see through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's convoluted. And, and a lot of times that's what our lives are like. It's like we're looking through a big convoluted mess. Right. It's like the smoke outside. Yeah. It, it's hard to see. It's like fog that shows up. And a lot of that is the input that shows up from yep. other people. Well, all and kinds it, of things. that's what actually I, in my personal story, that's what makes me feel hopeless. It's be, I know that the mountain is right there because I know what it looks like when the smoke isn't in the air. But when that smoke's in the air, I can't remember exactly how far back that mountain is is right so if i need to get there i don't know exactly how long it's going to take it feels like it's taking forever right um so we don't have like a clear i don't think aspect ratio is the right word but you know what i'm saying just a clear view yeah Yeah. exactly so so now you can't really even diagnose where you are and where you're going because everything is muddy right and a lot of people love to give you their opinions and i feel like in my life where I've had to learn to draw the line is with opinions of people's opinions of what they think I should do. Yeah. I've had to really learn to and who they want you to be. Yeah. And what they're expecting from me and how they want me to fulfill whatever their plan is. But I think that when, once I figured out that I can draw, like I'm, I have the ability to draw the line that I don't need to take other people's opinions of me. And that's not the truth. That's just their opinion it was a game changer for me because yeah. then I, it's literally like cutting, like cutting the stream of like yeah. muddy water that's mm-hmm. flowing in. It's like you're blocking that and then yep. you're enabling, you know, mm-hmm. the right streams to flow into your life. You can even see that like with your kids, at least for us, like you can see if there's like the footloose and fancy free friend and you can see how they pull that, that same type of vibe out of your own child when they're around them. And then if there's somebody that's a little bit more skeptical and trying to be a perfect little human, and then you can see how it affects your kids, how now they're like kind of self-conscious, like, oh, well, maybe I should be paying attention to what I'm wearing or how I'm doing my hair. Or, right. You know, you can just watch it right. happen right in front of you. And if it's happening to them, you know it's happening to us. We just aren't, I don't think we're as aware of ourselves as we need to be. Right. Well, it's, it's, we're kind of talking right now about lines because ultimately where we are is we believe everybody needs to be um, healthy, right? Well, what is healthy? It means that we're happy, that we're, you know, we're full of life, full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, 
full of those kinds of things. And in, in order to get there, to arrive there, you've got to put boundaries up in order to achieve those things. Mm-hmm. And we're talking a little bit on the relational lines. Uh, I, I love a passage that says that bad company corrupts good character. So bad, you could you could be of good character and then hang out with people who are of bad character for a long time. And ultimately you're going to draw in the direction of the bad character. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, I don't think any of our aspirations are, Hey, I'm just looking to be absolutely like a horrible person. No. And no, I mean, most people are not, there are probably people in this world who are like, yep, F it. Let's Mm -hmm. just go as hard as I can over to the dark side. Right. But for the most part, that's not most people. So, but I think if that statement is true, then the opposite is also true that good company can also Mm -hmm. corrupt. If you would, it's kind of a a negative way of saying it bad character because we, we do become like the people we spend time with. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a huge principle. I think that Donnie at that time of his life, he was spending time with people who were maybe pushing him harder into the drugs and the fighting and mm-hmm. all the sexual you know, sides of life. That's what was happening. But part of his line that had to be drawn that day is how he was going to position his life, who he was going to spend time with. You know, Who do you want to ultimately be like in your right. life? And, and then you invest in those. That's a very clear line. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be very unwise, as you were saying, with, with children, right? And we're children in some sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you, if you saw that, that your son was heading out the door and going to spend time with the gangsters down the street who were drinking 40s and slinging rocks, right? right. Probably want to put a guardrail up for him and say, mm-hmm. hey, so... Um, if they want to hang out at our house and lose the 40s, that would be okay. <laughs> but um, you can't go down the street and hang out at their house. Right. Right. Where you're going to learn how to drink King Cobras and say shit. Yeah. Like that's not that's not the best mm-hmm. scenario. So boundaries and lines and drawing these things, it's very normal. But the problem is we just don't do very well right. with that for ourselves. Yeah. Because we can't see half the well, time where we're even trying to go. And let's face it, if we were really true to ourselves, like actually speak the truth, nobody really likes being told what to do. Oh, no. So if you can just kind of keep those areas open, you know, free flowing, I'm a gypsy, I'm just, you know, yeah. going to make it work. It, like a butterfly. Yeah. Well, you're going where the wind's pushing you, idiot. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like to be like a butterfly a lot. Yeah, you do. But so what kind of lines in Lord. for the listener, we could just take a few seconds to really think about like some lines that need to be drawn in your life. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, like we said, it could be substance. It could be uh, relational. It could be time management. It could be. I think emotional. Mm-hmm. That's a, a big really one because you don't really think about how things affect you emotionally when yeah. you're doing them. At least I don't. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, we chopped up, you know, uh, the tracks. You know, a track is something that keeps you in line, if you would. Like if a train's on a track, it's cruising, right? It's on track. If it mm-hmm. it's off track, then it's not moving down the road anymore, down the track anymore. So, um the, the primary track that we think is, is the most important track to focus on is the spirit track, which 
really connects a lot to the emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, because um, when your when your spirit is good, then typically your emotions follow that, and we. Yeah. We communicate about the, uh, this concept of the fruit of the spirit, right? The, which also could be termed as the fruit of the light. And if you just divide, you know, the the world into two segments, just between light and darkness, mm-hmm. like it's a pretty phenomenal thought. Like you've got the darkness of night and you've got the light of day. But if you look at things like we watched the we've been in the Disney kick. Do not judge us. We've been like on this Disney kick and Mm -hmm. watching like pretty cool remakes of things like, like the Cinderella story that was remade was pretty awesome. That was, we watched it last week and you see in the Disney themes, a lot of like light and darkness Mm -hmm. things. Um, the princess and the frog, right? Mm -hmm. Light and darkness. And if you really look thematically at life, it's light and darkness. And even the, the non, spiritual world is spiritual and you know the non-believing world and the spirit still um, acknowledges light and darkness mm-hmm. good and evil yeah and so when you when you look at the idea of of the spirit spirit like is essence if you would it's um, and it's largely connected to emotions and so if you go to the fruit of the spirit those fruits right mm-hmm. are love love can be experienced as an emotion right mm-hmm joy an emotion isn't mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. peace patience i don't know if that's an emotion but uh, it can you affect could, your emotions you definitely <laughs> affect it if you don't have patience and i've been a great tool it was funny yesterday tool. at the yeah. river um your to brother cody with yeah your cody your brother cody was saying how he was super frustrated about driving down the canyon and people not turning out yeah and jenna, jenna was his wife was him. like Jenna is like more passive. She is her and Ashley. Her and Ashley are a lot of like, like they don't, they're not going to just rough someone's feathers just for the heck of it. Yeah. So he go, he's like, yeah, every time I go down the Canyon, these people, they go 20 miles an hour. They won't pull out. They wait till the turnout after you get out of the Canyon to pull out. And she 40 cars. Yeah. She's like, Cody, I think that the the Lord is trying to work on your patience. And it was like, <laughs> we're all quiet. Yeah. It was like, you could hear a pen drop. Yeah. In the dirt. And the heavens opened up and Jenna just said that to him. We we're like, Oh yeah. But because what happens when his patience was getting tested, yeah. is he was getting angry. Right. And was, I can relate to that. Cause that is a pet peeve of mine too. Absolutely. It bugs me. Yeah. In consideration is something that like just makes me. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're, you're getting crazy. You were looking at me I just know, now, I was just like thinking eyes. about it. I'm like, how can you not see? Yeah. So like the the lines, like the first and foremost thing, the the spirit side of things is that yeah, we got to start there because if if inwardly we are bent out of shape, if inwardly you know the emotions of our life are just constantly going crazy we're never really going to produce a good outward result. Yeah. Because you can't fake it for too long. More than the outside. Mm-hmm. Number one, like the inside's where your thought life is. It's where you're like, that's where you exist is on the inside. So if you're miserable there, mm-hmm. ah, like I feel bad for your kids. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for your spouse. I feel bad for you. Honestly, though, what, what we're trying to say is that we all end up mixed up 
and struggling if we don't deal with and draw lines and get intentional about our personal development, Mm -hmm. about getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, They say you can either get better or you can get bitter. Mm -hmm. And the difference, if I spell correctly, is just one letter between bitter and better. I want to jump back to reading a little bit from the text. This is another paragraph from the book. Sometimes we have enough sense about us to draw good, clear lines for ourselves, yet other times we need someone to do it for us. It reminds me of being a kid pushing the limits of every boundary, rock, walking just right up to the line my parents would draw for me and even touching it with my toes. Many of us have natural tendencies to toe the line, blur the line, cross the line, when someone isn't looking, we mm-hmm. cross the lines all the time. We say one thing in the passion of the moment, and then when the passion wears off, we break the rules and we cross the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember putting my toes on the line with my papa. They, at their house on the river, they had the house sat up high, and then you had to walk down staircase to get to the river. And there's this tree that the limb was right on the balcony, like, I don't know, six feet up from the balcony. So if you climbed on this side of the half of the tree, you were like, you could fall. You 10 know, feet. Yeah. Onto feet. concrete. Yeah. The concrete. Steps. No big deal. Eight feet concrete. No big deal. If not, you were, you know, just going to fall on the other side. But on the other side, like way far, right? Or am I missing? You, well, you kind of said it backwards. The oh. part that, that was over the river, it was much higher. Correct. That would have hurt. hurt you. Yeah. yeah. And so my papa, he would sit on his chair, smoke a cigarette, and I'd be climbing the tree, climbing the tree. Sometimes I'd get him to get up in the tree with me. But he, he had these little markers and it's like, don't go past these spots. And trying to contain us from falling off the other side. And so I'd be like, oh, yeah, this one right here. And his markers were these little American flags. Okay. And so um, he, we would, I, not we, I would. Ashley never did this. Um, I'd be like, oh, right here? You don't want me to go past here? And I would just go right over the line. And he'd be like, yeah, now, Mo, get back down here. And but I remember this one time I just crossed the line and then like just ran out on the the end like s- super fast and he's hollering and screaming and everything and then I ran back and the adrenaline rush was definitely fun in the moment but how was the butt whipping after yeah after that <laughs> the, the timeout and not getting to go play in the river that was not yeah yeah, yeah. and that that is a thing <laughs> like some people's temperaments are push the limits. Yep. You know, push it to the very edge. It's funny. Like, I was thinking about how, like, what is the line for some people? Like, mm-hmm. drinking, what is the line for some people? Is it eight beers, 12 beers, 22 beers, two beers? Mm-hmm. What's the line? But if you don't have a line, then there's just no limits. And you can land in, again, some pretty crazy, crazy territories. So, guardrails are critical. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk oftentimes about like you got to know where you are in life. You got to know where you are in the spirit, health, money, people, mission, the whole picture. You got to know where you are. You got to know where you're being called to go. Like what destination, you know, you got to be able to see to go there. Did you also have to really think about like what 
obstacles or opposition or what roadblocks are in the way that are going to stop me from actually doing this thing or becoming who I want to be. And then you got to set up the guardrails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got to like determine this is how I'm actually going to get there. This is what I'm going to do. So that's when we say a line had to be drawn. That's what we're talking about is putting up healthy guardrails in your life that are tall enough to where when you bounce into them, you'll know, oops, I'm crossing the line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you have people hopefully, you know, around you. And if not, that's something that you need is people around you who will help you stay on track, who will be the good friend to you, who won't just let you, you know, just totally ruin your life, your marriage, your, your job, whatever it is. Like you've got to say the hard things. They will or remind you of what you had asked them to hold you accountable to. Right. So again, these are excerpts from the from the Wayfinder book in chapter six and um, from a time where Donnie came over to our home and said, hey, this is what's happening. And then we had to help draw a line for Donnie and and hopefully then in that drawing of the line, help, you know, put him back on to a healthy path. Right. You know, moving in the right direction. So should I read this last little section? Sure. I used to beat myself up pretty bad for crossing the line. Often I'd set up boundaries for myself and then in a moment of weakness, I would just move the line. Mm -hmm. If I said this is no longer a struggle for me, I'd be lying. Knowing that I'd never been to the other line of life or death like Donnie was, was a scary realization to me as I was talking with him. I knew that Even in my own moments of weakness, I had tendencies to cross the line. So for him, the the line needed to be very clear, and it was my job to help him discover the line and then draw it. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting in life, we are always battling drawing the lines and putting those guardrails up, but it's kind of like a... I don't, is it like a tandem thing? It's like you're doing that for yourself, but then you should also be helping someone else. I think the lie of once I have my life figured out, then I will help someone else keeps us from not helping others. Really good point. But if you are actually helping someone do it, you're going to be better at doing yourself. Yes. Because now you have not only the, the, um, like mind space taking up of like how to be a good friend and help somebody put a good line in their life. It's also reinforcing that subconsciously to yourself and so if you are stuck and you don't know what lines to draw maybe you need to look around you at the really like like the relationships that are around you and maybe you need to help somebody else set up some some guardrails Mm -hmm. and get and then also let them help you as as well because it's really tough like so at that time of my life obviously i i was the one writing this so I was saying, wow, I, I've never been to the point of like wanting to to actually harm myself or kill myself. I've not struggled with that part, but he was in a moment of struggling with that. And I knew that I had the tendencies to go back on my commitments as I was. And so, but mine was more like, hey, should I take another dip of that tobacco or whatever it was that I was sh- struggling with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time it wasn't that, but, um, so for, for my thinking, then it was like, uh-oh, like I've got to make this abundantly clear to him that he's got to be fully committed to what it is that he's, 
he's doing and he's got to be willing for me to be real with him Mm -hmm. and he's got to be honest because with all of those components, then he has his best chance of not moving the line. And I actually said to him that day, Donnie, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do for you that you're not actually wanting for yourself. Mm -hmm. I can want it so bad for you, but you can leave here and I pardon how blunt this was, but you could leave here and you could go blow your head off right now. And there's nothing that I could do about that. So you've got to know and you've got to really take inventory and you've got to think about your child. You've got to think about those people that you mm-hmm. love around you and you've got to determine what are you actually willing to fight for. Right. It may be miserable in your world right now. Are you committed to not being miserable mm-hmm. anymore? Are you committed to change? And and I think at that time, the reason why I could say those things with such determination is because I had made my own commitments mm-hmm. to to get better myself. Yeah. And if if I I don't think any one of us ever wants to sign up to be a full blown hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Meaning like I don't think any of us wants to be like, you know, I'm gonna tell you to go fix your life, but I'm just gonna mess mine up real bad over here. Like mm-hmm. I don't th- I think that for the most part, people may be hypocrites and they may say things like that. But I don't think in the genuine desire of somebody's heart, if they really care about helping somebody else, most of the time they're they're at least semi committed to their own personal development. Right. And and I think that that's very important. That that you know part of my growth and development is 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 actually happened because I experienced a life change, and then now I'm moving forward and and i'm wanting to help others experience that life change and if i'm not on that same road right how in the world would i Are have any to right them? to help mm-hmm. anybody do anything and so in some sense what you're saying is true yeah and it, it, you can it kind of sounds counter um intuitive uh, it, like like it's against each other like okay. contradictory I, yes contra- it, it kind of sounds like that because in one way it's like how can i help somebody do something that i'm not able to do myself but that's where grace comes in yeah. and it's the will to want to change yep. that comes in because we are going to fail more than we're going to like get it right. That's yep. just the way it is, but it's the way we look at that. So yes, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't be not trying to meet the goals that you're setting for yourself and holding your neighbor accountable to right. them. That's not what I was saying. Right. What I was saying is sometimes you got to get out of yourself in order to release that agent of change because yeah. now you're you're committed to wanting to help somebody else. And usually when I'm committed to helping somebody else, it heightens my commitment for myself because I want to be at my best if I'm going to help someone. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I was trying to say there. Yeah. Is usually you don't want to show up to do, help somebody play basketball and work on their shot and you don't have a shot yourself. Yeah, I just have trash form. And, yeah. yeah, you're not going to do that. Totally. It's going to help you practice more to be able to be the best person that you can be for the person you're trained. Totally training. It's making me think of like very often people will show up with marriage problems or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll talk about their marriage issues. And it's funny because one spouse, they want change so bad, right? But they don't do anything about it until they see the other person doing something. And once yeah. they once they see the other person putting an effort, then they're going to put an effort. And honestly, that's like the exact wrong way to right. to think. Like, 
If you want change in any aspect of your life, you have to be willing to take the hill. You have to be willing to cross that line, Mm -hmm. even when nobody else is around you, even when the very person that you're wanting change with is unwilling to change. Right. That's huge because eventually you're hopefully you'll be then leading by example Mm -hmm. and then and then people will come along. But but don't sit back, you know, being unwilling to commit yourself to change Mm -hmm. while waiting for somebody else to change Mm -hmm. because that's called hypocrisy. Yeah. So that same same deal. It's like everywhere you look in your life. If you're if you're being real, lines do exist, but they may just be blurry. Mm-hmm. They may be not the right lines. The boundary may be too far off, it, or not far enough, or not far enough. Mm-hmm. And you've got to learn, and that's what this principle is about. That's what this book is about. There's some key components that we believe that you know you need to put these in place in order for you to live the life that you were called to live, designed to live, created to live, mm-hmm. and, and so you can thrive truly in your life. And it's always going to be a battle, but it's, it's a battle to stay on track. It's a battle to find the way. Mm-hmm. It's a battle to stay the course. And, and by defining those lines, having regular repeatable checkpoints and people around you to help you stay that course, by having intentional things that you do each day, implementing mm-hmm. those those things, you can actually um, find what it is that you're looking for. And all of us are in search of it. Like right. n- none of us want to live this life and go, yep, that sucked. Yeah. And uh well and now I die. Just like our tagline, life is too short to live miserable. Right. So and we have to do something about it. And misery sometimes is the best motivator. Yeah. Like you can that's the kind of miserable. <laughs> Can't take no more. Kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but not so miserable that I'm done. Yeah. But then when you get that miserable, it's like, oh, thank God for misery because that misery has caused me to go, you know what? I'm not not doing doing this this. anymore. I'm not. I'm moving. I'm doing something different. So we encourage you to live your best life and start by really looking at what lines maybe you need to draw in your life or the margins that you need to create and what guardrails need to go up and what toxic people you need to spend less time entertaining. With. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you're interested in more of this, of this book, um, purchase that. That is that if you purchase this pre-sell, this is a little gutsy for me to say, and I did not talk to my comrades here. Oh boy. Oh boy. If are you, you going to mute his mic, Eric? If you pre-purchase this book, we're going to give you a, a discount on the pre-purchase of some sort, but we'll also include the audio book free. Oh, that's good. So the audio book will be included in that. I like that. And Because uh, sometimes it's just you would yeah, rather hear Amy's voice. You would just rather hear it. Um, but so that, that would be some incentive... And we, we definitely want you to check it out. Um, this is this is designed, and this is one of the things I said to Amy after I finished the rough draft of the text is, and this is kind of a bold thing to say, if I were to die today, I would feel like, thank God I got those thoughts out and that I could pass those on to my kids mm-hmm. because that's what I wanted them to learn. 
I wanted them to hear that. And if they implement that, I believe that they would be okay. They, those would be words that came uh, you know, from, the, from their dad that mattered. So, um, but I think that they, they can help many people. And if you pick it up and you're like, yeah, that really didn't help me very much, then pass it on to somebody else mm-hmm. who it could help. And uh, additionally, you know, we're, we have a lot of the, the reason why we're launching a podcast as we are and we're putting out the content that we are putting out is because our mission is to help people find their mission or find their calling, mm-hmm. make life count because life's meant to be enjoyed. Right. Life's way too short to live miserable. So a lot more resources to come following this book. Um, we have a planner as well. It's called the Traction Planner. That's going to go back for sale uh, this week. And mm-hmm. We have a revised version of that coming out um, at the first of the year. So those tools are resources to help you stay on track and everything we're trying to design our lives around is to help you do that while we try to stay on track as well. That's right. We love you guys. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you can share this podcast with your friends and get the word out, we would highly appreciate that. Um, It's on what networks, Eric? It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, You can go to neilandamy.com to subscribe to the RSS feed. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they could go to YouTube too, right? Yes, and we're also on YouTube. Perfect. Yep. And And don't forget to uh, comment and rate as well as subscribe. Yes, please do. And we will see you same time, same place next Sunday. Boom. Bye-bye for now. Draw the line.